Hey everyone, this is Aaron. Just a couple things before we begin. One, greetings from Sydney, Australia. I'm just about to leave Sydney. I was here for just over a week delivering Greenbelt training, and I had a great time. I love, love, love the city of Sydney, and the people here were great, and uh, I am not a city person, but I but I really enjoyed it. Now, one of the reasons I probably really enjoyed it is because I didn't have to pay for it. I looked at my bill. It's expensive. It's not someplace I could afford to be on a regular basis. But anyway, just a couple things about this particular episode. I have a couple disclaimers in this episode. Uh, First of all, there is some profanity, some explicit content. There's not much, but just be forewarned, it's a little bit edgy. If that offends you, just be aware. It's in there. Uh, We also talk a little bit about politics. It's not a political episode per se, but when discussing the whole idea of thinking opposite and challenging what our default beliefs are, we do make rather clear what our own personal political beliefs are. Now, please also don't let that get in the way of of the underlying message of of the episode. And lastly, it may be a little bit difficult for you to find the direct connection with Lean and Six Sigma or project management. There is a connection. Mainly, what makes a successful project leader is also what makes for a well-rounded lifestyle. So this is about critical thinking. It's about challenging the underlying assumptions and for a moment asking what if what if we did the exact opposite of what we're automatically tending to want to do give a listen to this episode have an open mind and think opposite it's it's funny how our intentions are not uh, necessarily aligned with other people's interpretations mm-hmm. i just wanted to avoid people who didn't think girls could do stuff yep and then they were all like, it's all female. And I'm like, what? No, what? No, what? <laughs> I'm a firm believer in let's not see gender. Let's just hire the best person for the job. Mm-hmm. But when I worked for another company that taught me how to paint, I would show up at job sites and people would be like, you can't do this. You're a girl. They would say, well, I'm not talking money with you. You're, you're female. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to put girls in the title. Mm-hmm. And then everybody will know I'm a girl. And the people who don't want don't don't think women can do it. They don't have to hire me or phone me or waste my time. My conversion is is high, and I mm-hmm. really I have the best customers because I'm attracting people who get me right. Welcome to the E Success Methods podcast with Jacob and Aaron, a weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number one hundred and sixty three, we speak with speaker, author, and successful business owner Allison Donaghy about her message and new book. Think opposite, using the domino effect to change your business, change the world. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast, Table of Contents, at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Thought Strategist. What an ideal way to describe Allison Donaghy, who also serves as a speaker, successful business owner, consultant, and author of Think Opposite, Using the Domino Effect to Change Your Business, Change the World. Allison specializes in challenging people to suspend their belief and explore the opposite of what they believe. They then proceed with clarity because they either remain firm in their original belief or they shift to a point of view that they are more aligned with. She can share countless examples of how encouraging others to question their status quo often leads to improvements not only in their world, but the world. Allison Donaghy, welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's what a treat. My listeners, just so you know, Allison, primarily make up I believe so. I believe they make up uh, project managers, engineers, people who are uh, fairly uh, maybe process-oriented, linear sort of thinkers. Uh, And what uh, intrigued me about your book and uh, your message is, okay, understand that you're thinking process-oriented folks, okay, 
now think opposite. So uh, with that, can you tell tell us a little bit about your book and, and, and your message? Absolutely. I I wrote my book last year, and it was originally published under the title Change Your Business, Change the World, The Domino Effect of Your Thinking. And then it was picked up by Morgan James, who is a distribution publishing company. So they are putting it in bookstores, which is super exciting for me. Nice. And they've changed the name to Think Opposite, using the domino effect to change your business, change the world. So it's a little bit crazy out there in Amazon land right now with two book titles, same content. But I'm sure uh-huh. listeners can navigate that. And so I started it, and the reason we changed the the top the title to Think Opposite is because that really is the message that I want to send people is suspend your belief, consider a different perspective, and then in considering that, you can then proceed with clarity about what you actually believe. Okay. So that kind of resonated with me, and, and uh, you know, I was watching something, which I'll be honest with me, was a little uh, off-putting uh, several years ago. Uh, it was a... A religious belief that I, I, I did not believe in at all, but you know, the speaker had raised a really good point. It says, no matter what it is you believe, whether you believe in creationism, evolution, or any of that, these are all religions in their sort because they all are defined by an underlying assumption that nobody can prove. And, and that sort of resonates with some of the things I found in your book. Say, okay, you think you're following, you know, quote unquote, the right path. But what is that underlying assumption that if 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 it were false could co- totally destroy that whole you know frame of thinking? Well, and if we think about it, whoever you were listening to is absolutely right. I think there's very few facts in the world. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of agendas and beliefs that get put out there as fact, and we get caught up in it. I certainly know I do, thinking, no, no, my way's right, and. It's it's not. When we take that time to consider other perspectives, we can go, oh, maybe they have something there. I might not agree with it, mm-hmm. but when I open myself to hear it, I either understand what I believe better, and there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. or I shift my belief a little bit to encompass maybe something that they've brought up that fits with with the way I, I view the world. So what are some of these things that you, you, you'd like to – maybe shatter the myths about or what are these things that we take as underlying assumptions that uh, you'd like to challenge? Oh man, pick a topic. Uh, (laughs) Oh boy. It's really, we could talk about anything. We can talk about when you're driving down the street and some guy behind you is tailgating you. You can operate on that assumption that he is just a jerk. Oh yeah. Right. And, and that's the easy one. It's the go-to one. That person, how dare they intrude in your life and Mm -hmm. drive that closely behind you. Mm. What happens if you suspend that belief and think, whoa, what if that person is driving to the hospital because he just found out his mother's sick? Mm -hmm. That's a totally different frame of mind. And you can't hold that he's a jerk thought in your head and still have that compassion for him. Your opinion and your mood and your outlook on the situation has to shift if you allow something else to enter into it. And your day is much better off. If you think that this is just a good, dutiful son behind you trying mm-hmm. to you know, take care of mom, mm-hmm. and it will affect the rest of your day in a much better way than if you just have this road rage and then you go to work and then you share that road rage with everybody you come in contact with, either in the way of the story, oh, I was driving to work today and this guy was a jerk, or right. you're just irritable and that mm-hmm. is, is going into and spilling into everything else that you do. When we consider how shifting our perspective uh, affects so many things, we may be more open to the shifting our perspective and allowing 
those those other thoughts to enter in mm-hmm. and take form. Then you can talk about the polarization that's happening with the with you know Trump. Yes, <laughs> and absolutely everything. You went there, right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so extreme out there, and that I think is the gift that Trump has given all of us is we have to start getting in touch with what we think, what we believe, and right. really sit up and look at the world. Mm-hmm. And that that and if nothing else, he's given us that. Um, you know what? Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I look at this whole situation and, and how people I love and care about interact on Facebook and it pretty much just dis- dis- disrupts my entire paradigm of what I, th- of what I thought was true. You know, people of all similar, you know, trials and tribulations that I'm interacting with. And then I find out, you know, we, we, we may, <laughs> agree on 99% of things, but this 1% might, might divide us. Um, yeah. it's just so, it's, it's so strange. And, and, uh, it's also a, a, a huge social experiment with, uh, how divisive this situation is yet while we're all just freely communicating things that we never 10 years ago or 20 years ago would have thought about communicating because these things were off limits, but now they're just in your face all the mm-hmm. time on social media. So it's just, uh, it's interesting and off-putting, you know, at the same time. <laughs> it is well, because it, it is that extreme polarization. And when you get a polarization, you get this mentality of converting as mm-hmm. opposed to conversing. And that creates these, this, this bigger divide. I believe this and you don't agree with me. So now I have to make you believe me. Uh, yes. I have to make you change your mind. I have to make you see that you are wrong. <laughs> and, and if you think about it, just like when you're driving in the car and the guy behind you and you make up that story about him, it's just a story. Mm-hmm. So if you're making the story up about the guy who's driving behind you or you're making a story up about Trump or one of his policies or a friend that disagrees with you, it is still all just a story that it's right. not real. You know, a, movie, a movie script you've, you've created in your head, right? But we don't know enough to really say. Yeah, we, we've bought our own stuff, hook, line, and sinker. And, mm-hmm. and part of that is because of those echo chambers that we live in. Right. You, know, you brought up Facebook. Well, that is like a huge echo chamber where mm-hmm. if people don't agree with us, we can unfriend them and block them. Right. We search something, and before you know it, it's showing up in our feed. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they know I needed a stand-up desk? Mm-hmm. My goodness, they're <laughs> so right. I was so smart thinking I right. needed a stand-up desk, and, right. and now I am. And so – when we, we are in these echo chambers, we believe that we are just so much more right than we actually are. Mm-hmm. And that, that creates that polarization and it's scary. Reinforces it, right? Yeah. And then how do you talk to somebody else? Because you have all of Facebook land behind you saying you're right. Then you bump up against this one lonely person in front of you that says, I disagree. Mm-hmm. And we have no skills with how to talk to that person. And after all, there's a mighty group of people behind us saying we're right. So this sole person in front of us can't possibly mm-hmm. right or have anything mm-hmm. good to say. Yeah, just as an example, a, a friend of mine who, again, wouldn't have believed that was you know supportive of, say, a wall. But they were. And the, and the reason they are is because they had a family member who happened to lose, lose his life from somebody who was driving drunk and happened to be an illegal alien. That's how I, that's how I word it, but that's not how you know, this person uh, internalizes it, but it's, for <laughs> right. them, it's a very real thing. And for me, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just completely different perspective, but mm. um, yeah, one that I couldn't possibly understand, but one that is very real to them. Right. Mm-hmm. 
then we, yeah, that enters into this whole other that part that we identify with and how we take one part of it and then attach it to an entire group. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that every illegal alien is not driving around drunk, right? right? But that's right. what it feels like to that person. Unless you have a conversation, we don't know that's where that person's coming from. And then how can you continue a conversation when you don't know that vital bit? Mm-hmm. 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 So let's talk about – I like this little quote. There was an old lady who swallowed a lie. <laughs> yes. What's that from? Uh, actually, I had a conversation with a client of mine about that um, fascinating man and we got talking about that nursery rhyme. There was an old lady who swallowed a fly mm-hmm. and how she just kept swallowing more and more things to try to fix this very first thing she swallowed. And now he converted it to there was an old lady who swallowed a lie, which got me thinking, how many lies do we accept? How many lies do we accept about the need to build a wall mm-hmm. in order for us to justify looking at a human being in front of us and saying, you don't belong here because mm. you weren't born here. Mm-hmm. So here's a, good, here's a question. Like, mm-hmm. um, the, the, your book predates the wall. Do you wish that maybe you held off on the book <laughs> given current events or, or are you planning uh, any kind of revisions or addendums? Uh, no, there's no perfect time to write a book. Well, the only perfect time is right now. <laughs> right, right. And it's, again, it's all our learning experience, right? Something's going to happen in six months' time and I'm going to go, whoa. Mm-hmm. Damn, I should have waited for that book, but mm-hmm. maybe that's just a sequel. So I got this, the condition now, I, I've got uh, I've got three girls, so I'm a dad of all girls, so I, I empathize with uh, some of these things. This first one, uh, girls can't throw, mm. yes. and boys don't cry, and, and this one, as a professional, and our conditioning is to postpone the good things in life and save up. What do you, what do you have to say about that, and how does that... How does that work into your approach to business and life? Right. I think, well, this is that section of the book I think we're talking about where the, we just accept these truths in life without right. questioning them. And we don't even know necessarily that we have them. I actually have a story that I can share with you after we get to this about a recent one that I just had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we postpone good things in life because we save up, it's that Puritan mentality work really, really hard today. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So if we spend time focusing on those good things today, we're not necessarily uh, contributing to our future. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's the best contribution we can make to our future. Because if we engage in those good things right now, which is not to say that we shirk all responsibility. But Mm -hmm. if we engage in those great things that we love to do, that bring us joy, that we get to do with people we care about, we are ultimately happier people. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we can bring that to our work. We can bring that to our relationships. And who knows if we're even going to be here. We make this assumption that we're going to live till we're 90. What if we don't? Right. What if there is no time to enjoy that? Or what if you get a debilitating disease or you're, you know, you right now my dad, he's had both hips and both knees replaced. Mm-hmm. He ain't doing the things he was doing 10 years ago. Right. Let's not postpone. Let's, let's get a balance. I had a friend who used to always eat his dessert first just in case. Oh, I like just, him. Just I like in him case a lot. He didn't make it make it through the whole meal. <laughs> yeah, you could have to evacuate the restaurant or something. And then what? And you're right. standing in the parking lot with like a little bit of salad in your belly and that's not good. That's not going to sustain you. <laughs> um the other day I was introduced to somebody by the name of Danielle and in this email, it was an email introduction, she had referred to her wife 
And my brain mm-hmm. immediately went to the place that, right. oh, Danielle, I thought that was a woman's name. It right. must, must be, be Daniel, right? It must be, or maybe it's from a different country. Maybe it's French, and that's, I don't know. And all of these stories that my brain made up about this must be a man because they have a wife. Mm-hmm. I was so surprised by it when I saw the video and it was a woman in there and I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Right. Of course yes. she can have a wife. Mm-hmm. And I sh- probably shouldn't have those thoughts. Like my sister, I grew up with her as a lesbian and now she's my brother and uh, just had a gender change a couple of years oh, ago. So okay. I am not unfamiliar with um, the LGBT world. Mm-hmm. And yet my brain is still conditioned to think if there is a wife, there is a husband at the other end of it. Yeah, the, sim- the, the simplification of things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually put this in the introduction email. I was like, I am such an idiot. This is where I went with it. <laughs> I haven't heard back from her. So Aww. I'm not sure if she just hasn't gotten it yet or yeah. <laughs> if she just thinks you're too much of an idiot. I can't talk to you. But oh, <laughs> awareness. And I think when we can start being honest – yeah. I almost deleted it from the email, and then I thought, no, I I need to be true to this experience that I had and thank her for that opportunity mm-hmm. to see some of my own conditioning because we all have it. We need it to function and to survive. It's becoming aware of it. That's where it comes into to the importance of it. You know, as you brought that up, I want you know, I think that's um, that's how it's been with the the lens of Facebook. Even it's like. I guess, yeah, just consider it a gift, even though it's painful and it it causes you to look in the mirror, uh, consider it a gift, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to like the players. Mm -hmm. I I don't have to like Trump, and I don't, to see that there is some value to this whole experience for us as a society, which is not to say I think he should stay in in the power that he has, not that he should get assassinated and let his – vice president move into positioning because i think that would be far worse but but if we don't start seeing the gifts we can't build on those Mm -hmm. so i I like this anecdote you have in your book about a friend who and this is about really questioning the underlying beliefs here so this tell us a little bit about this trip your friend took to haiti with her daughter yeah, she she went down to Haiti and they met a bunch of girls with this program that they were working with that were from Haiti. And they were young, I think around 10-ish. And she was telling me the story and she said, and these girls were just so poor. Like I'd never seen poverty. Like mm-hmm. I had seen with this when I was there. And she said, and then I found out that they'd never spent the day by the pool in the hotel. And mm-hmm. And I went, well, no, they're really poor. Right. And she said, so we took them into the hotel and we all got to spend the day by the pool. Isn't that a fabulous thing? And I went, oh, yeah, no, not really. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, at 10 years old, you may have given these girls the best day of their life that they can never recreate. And they may spend the rest of their life trying to recreate it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so have you done them a service in the long run or have you just given them a nice afternoon? Have you even considered what that long-term ramification is going to be? And she looked at me and she goes, oh, yeah, well, every girl needs a day at the pool. And I went, okay, Mm. this conversation is probably not going to go anywhere and that's fine. And I've had this conversation with so many other people Mm -hmm. and people who disagree with me and say, even if one of those 10 girls – life was improved as a result of it, it was worth it. And I said, okay, so what if 
three, one or three or five or 10 of them become prostitutes so they can get back into that hotel. Is that worth it? And they go, oh, I never really thought of that. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, oh, okay. So then when these girls go back into their communities and now they're telling their friends, I got to do this, are you actually building that community or have you broken it down? Mm. Because now you've created an us and them situation. Right. And my idea was, would it not have been more beneficial to everyone involved, creating a more of a win-win situation, if she had said to these girls, do you know how to cook? And they say, yeah, because chances are they're responsible for food in their family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they say, she says, well, I really love Haitian food, but I don't know how to cook it. Could you teach me? Mm-hmm. And then they could go to the market. They could buy food from a local family who would benefit from those American dollars. Then they could go and learn how to cook this food. And in doing so, they could help feed the community, help Mm -hmm. feed the family that these girls belong to, and learn how to cook in the meantime while empowering these young girls, showing them that they have something this Western woman, rich Western woman, doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Now, that's something they can build on, something they can be proud of. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they're entrepreneurial, could even start a business with it. Mm -hmm. And so – There are just different ways of looking at it. I'm not saying my way is right. I'm just saying it would have been nice if she had thought about it for a few more minutes. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, um, thinking what does it take to to think opposite? And you say a few more minutes, but what what does that process entail? Well, the way I like to explain it to people is whenever you have a strong reaction to something good or bad, Mm -hmm. take a second and think about it. Where is this coming from? Where is it going to lead you? Have you considered the outcome of this something that you're really excited about? Who's going to be impacted by it? Is there a different way? Mm -hmm. And that comes into that domino thinking, which is the name of my company, is that where are those dominoes going to land? And if you can consider like that worst case scenario, the complete opposite of what you want the outcome to be, and then look at that for a minute, think about how would you feel if you were in that situation that sort of opens the door for you to then consider all of those options in between as well. Mm-hmm. So if before she invited these girls to the pool, if she took a second and went, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen here? These girls could go home. They could become hookers. Hmm, that's not very good. Right. Not saying it'll happen. We can't predict the future. I understand that. But if she spent some time thinking about that, then maybe she could have come up with a with a solution that would have been more fitting for her and those girls. So do you, getting back to um, not your, not your domino thinking business, but your, your painting business, you're no stranger to the idea of, uh, I would imagine project management and the, the, how, how a business operates and the rigor and things like that. Mm. When it comes down to thinking opposite, when it comes to business, uh, do you have any examples that, uh, come to mind where taking that opposite thought uh, has helped? Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I started in the industry back in 2000, um, it was unusual for a woman to be a painter in where I live, let alone own a company painting. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't very well received by the men in the industry, which is fair enough. It's their prerogative. It's their team sport that I decided to participate with. Right, right. I, they, they didn't come to me. I went to them. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's important that we take responsibility for those choices. And I didn't really have 
that mentoring opportunity with people or telling me this is how you run a painting company. So all I could do was see how people were being affected by how they did business and then decide if that's how I wanted my customers to feel about my company. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to things like um, estimating, I had a woman phone me up one time and she said, I need you to paint my bathroom if you have time. And I said, I can come give you an estimate. And she said, well, it's only going to be $50. Oh, and I went, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 really. That's all it's going to be. And I said, mm, um, let me come anyway. I do a free estimate, but I really don't think this is going to be a $50 bathroom. And she goes, well, if you want to waste your time, you just come on out. So I went there and it was easily a $200 bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, and I said to her, I said, why did you think it was only a $50 bathroom? And she said, because the company who painted my whole house, when I told them I didn't want the bathroom included because I wasn't sure if I was going to renovate or not and asked them <sighs> to take it off the bill, they only took off $50. Wow. And I okay. went, oh. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not saying why they did that. I'm just saying your bathroom is not a $50 bathroom. I ended up painting it for her for $50 because at some point I think we have to protect the industries that we're involved with and maintain um, a good name for what it is that we do. But I did explain to her what I thought may have happened. And then I changed the way that I did my estimating because I didn't ever want a customer to be in that situation or to think that about my company that I somehow misled them or lied about what my pricing was. So I give extremely detailed estimates to allow for really open communication. Mm -hmm. And I have gained so many clients from doing that, thinking the opposite, because that's totally not how it's done in the industry here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by having this transparency and this open communication, people say to me, I love the way you do it. I hired you because you're so clear. You weren't the cheapest, but you were really clear and I want to work with somebody like that. And I've had other people in the industry, like other painting companies say, whoa, I saw one of your estimates. They're really, really good. No wonder you get so much work. And they say, I'd never do it. It's too much work. So the transparency, although more work, created essentially the the trust that you would – it did. And it attracted those customers that I wanted to attract. Mm-hmm. And the very fact that other companies saw it, saw the value in it, and then refused to do the work themselves for their own customers was yet another example of how my company is set apart from theirs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying one is better or one is worse. I'm just saying my system worked for me really well. And, and it continues to do so. And I think we forget that our business is a tool to create change in our communities and in lives of the people that work for us and our customers. And when we believe that they're a tool to create change, then we have to start thinking about the players that are involved. It's not just about how much work I want to put into an estimate. It's about seeing what my customer needs. And then when I have my staff go to do a job, I give them this estimate so they know exactly what they're painting. They're Mm -hmm. never in a situation where they're like, these people tell me we're painting this bathroom and you said we're not. I say, is it on the estimate? They say, no, I say we're not painting it. Mm -hmm. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Are you tired of hearing our commercials? Wouldn't you rather hear your own? 
buy a one-minute spot to reach hundreds of listeners each week on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Showcase your product, market your service, or maybe even reach out to a potential employer in a truly creative and unique way. Contact us through our website for more details, www.esuccess-methods.com. Journey through success. And and so I have my customers back because I have transparency. I have my staffs back because they know exactly what they need to do and they're never going to be put in a situation um, where they're feeling uncertain. Mm-hmm. And it just makes this great relationship of a win-win-win. And all it took was a matter of looking at a problem, seeing that it was a problem. How do I make this better? And then creating a system to make it better. And my business has thrived as a result of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, bringing this back so to the my audience who might be uh, – project managers or they may be a, a member of a team uh, sitting in a meeting, uh, me personally and my, my personal personality type, there's always that danger of becoming that person in the room who questions everything, the, um, <laughs> the devil's advocate um, or the person who just wants to avoid risk. You know, what, is there a balance that we need to talk about? How much should we be talking about thinking opposite or, or balancing the worst case scenario? Mm, excellent question because we can get caught in that I better not get out of bed because I might step on a beetle. Mm-hmm. And if I step on a beetle and they're endangered, then we can't get shellac to paint the walls and what will happen to all these grow houses. So <laughs> okay. it becomes this very slippery slope. Um, and, and then we just don't get out of bed. And then we freak out because we might be killing the bed bugs that are in our bed and then we can't sleep and now we just die. So the, we can spiral out of control with it. And at some point, the work just has to get done. I think it's important to pick and choose when we want to draw attention to something. And it's not enough to just say this is broken. We have to come with a solution. It's not enough to say this room doesn't work the way it's laid out. Mm -hmm. We have to come with this room will work better if we set it up this way because everybody will be able to see each other. Or we'll be able to have these pods where we can have private conversations within the meeting or whether we're pro- um, setting up a project and it's like, I know we've already done it this way mm-hmm. and we continue to do it this way, even though it messes up this trade. If we shift this and do that, what happens if we do this trade first and get them to split their job? Like say for us for painting, if we go in and we do all the primer and then we don't come back until the end, that works really well for us. Mm-hmm. We're not tripping over people. All it takes is that suggestion. Why don't we split it and, and separate it into two parts and when I do this with builders, they go, wow, that's so much easier for us. Okay. And so it's that coming with a solution. It's not just pointing out there's a problem. There are times when you're going to say, this, does, this isn't working. I don't know why it's not working. Can we brainstorm on this and figure out a better way? Where mm-hmm. you're asking for help to fix something. But in my experience, coming with a solution is the way to get people on board. Otherwise, you're just giving them more work. You're saying there's a problem and now they're like, oh, God, something else to fix. You know what? Let's just leave it open. It's working for us fine. But if you say here is the problem, here is the solution, all they have to do is say yes. Mm -hmm. So your book, getting to to your book, there's a a few different elements that uh, touch base with me. And um, it's it's got a bit of a sort of a Stephen Covey quality where it's it's about, you know, habits of highly effective people and – uh, actually, even Dale Carnegie, just like how how can you be a better person in your life, have better relationships? Then there's other aspects that that speak more of a um, uh, of an entrepreneur 
an entrepreneur's guide to having a, a business with a great customer experience and customer service. How do you see this book? Uh, wh- where does it fit in? Is it self-help? Is it personal development or is it, uh, you know, an entrepreneur's guide to good small business? <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> I thought it was uh, a critical thinking book disguised as a business book. Okay. Uh, and till I had a friend of mine say, I read your book. She was, she's an entrepreneur. She owns a franchise, her and her husband do, and they're doing very well with it. And she said, I, there's lots of great business stuff there. She said, but what I really learned is how to communicate better with my son. Mm. And I went, what? <laughs> she said, yeah, she said, he's a domino thinker. He goes, she goes, and I keep trying to get him to follow all the rules. Ah, and he okay. will never follow the rules because he doesn't think that way. That's not how he processes. He says, she said, my relationship with my son is so much better now having read your book. And I went, oh, <laughs> that is super cool. Totally didn't think of go there, but that that's where it goes. And it's interesting how people have responded to this book. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I think it has more to do with business and how, because as an entrepreneur, I understand the impact that we can make. Um, I remember one time at a gas station and I was in my painting clothes and I was in my beat up old paint van. I'd only been in business a couple of years and this really hot woman pulled up in her sports car. She was dressed to the nines. She, she was, she was stunning. And I looked at her and I went, Oh my God, I feel like such an ugly little muffin over here. And, and then I thought, wow, I'm employing people. Mm -hmm. I am making a difference in the community that I live in. And it was a really cool realization I still felt totally dumpy next to her. And as we walked by, she walked by me to go into the store and she said, good job on the painting company. And, and I thought, what a cool transaction, <laughs> how, how it changed so much. And when we can really start to internalize the power that we have in being in business, we can make massive change Mm-hmm. In, in, in the lives of the people we come in contact with. And that will have a ripple effect and a domino effect. So does it eventually create some sort of self-help um, growth? Yeah, it does. But I, I'm not sure you'd find me next to Tony Robbins. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know yet because uh, the hard hardcover is just coming out, so maybe. That's right. Yes, <laughs> you never know. I mean, one day I'll be on stage next to him. <laughs> so, all right, you talked a little bit about homogeneous thinking, but uh, just to nail it home, what is the problem you see with what you call homogeneous thinking? The problem is that we think we're right. When mm-hmm. we have one point of view, we don't consider other points of view. So imagine if somebody comes up to you and they say, apples are the best fruit on the planet, by okay. far the best fruit on the planet. You may go, oh, okay, that's that's kind of cool. You think about it for a second. You go, what, what about raspberries? Like mm. raspberries are pretty good. And they might go, oh, I've never tried raspberries. And you say, oh. And then they say, you say, well, what about mangoes? You got to admit mangoes are pretty good. And they say, well, I'm going to be honest. I've never tried any other fruit but apples. And I don't need to because apples are the best there ever is. Your trust for that person and your willingness to communicate with that person probably goes downhill fast. Mm-hmm. Now, if this person says, oh, yeah, I've tried raspberries and I've tried mango. In fact, I've traveled the entire world and I've tried every fruit known to man and I still think apples are the best. That person has way more credibility. And wow, that would be like a really interesting person to have dinner with and talk about their experiences. 
So that person who only thinks apples are the way to go and they have that very homogenous outlook on that becomes unreliable as a source Mm -hmm. and they're not contributing. They're not giving back. Whereas that person who has tried all sorts of fruits, they don't have a homogenous thinking. They have a really well-rounded experience and they have an awful lot to bring to the table. And when we get stuck in our belief and we don't consider other perspectives, we become so um, vanilla Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and we we lose those the the variety of people that we can have conversations with because we can't relate to other people. We don't learn how to have conversations. People will unfriend us on Facebook. We unfriend them because we don't know how to engage with somebody who disagrees with us. And there's always going to be somebody who disagrees with us. So in my uh, line of work, uh, I'm usually in- heading up business transformations. So you know, I, I try to be the non-homogeneous thinker, but usually I'm coming into a group of people who uh, basically I do have to convert somehow, some way, and, and and many of them are homogeneous thinking in the way, you know, this is the way we've always done this, it's always worked before, um, there, there can be no other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've developed tactics, and, and the, the our audience, my audience will uh, no doubt have this sort of experience when it's not me who needs to not be homogeneous, but it's somebody else who needs to not be homogeneous. you have any recommendations on how to approach that situation? Well, I love the expression, what if? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if this way worked better? We, we set this th- thinking aside. How many other things can we brainstorm about? You're not asking them to necessarily change their mind. You're just asking them to suspend it. Mm-hmm. And when people understand that you're not telling them to give something up, they may be more inclined to go along with the exercise with you, then they may suspend their belief long enough to you can squeeze in some of your ideas right. and open that door a little bit. So that can sometimes be effective. Um, the other thing is just using completely unrelated examples. Okay. And if we can, if you can put an idea up on the, you know, in your whiteboard or wherever it is, and create brainstorming around a specific idea that has nothing to do with their business and get them to throw as many ideas as possible mm-hmm. at it. Mm-hmm. Once they've done that and you've gotten them comfortable with that, then get them to suspend their belief about the problem that you're having and get them to throw as many ideas at that as well. Yeah. I like that. Reminds me of a situation I was supposed to improve our ability to identify market needs and, and improve uh, net present value of potential products we're going to release. And, I did that with an abstract example, said, I'm about to build a gym and you're going to be my investor. What information do you want to know? And then mm-hmm. they brainstormed that. And that's the information we actually brought into, okay, okay, now pretend that this is our market that we're actually in. Don't you still want to know these things? And the answer was, yeah. So, you know, why aren't we getting this? So I, that uh, your story just reminded me of that. It's a beautiful tactic. It's great that you use it. It's It's getting them to suspend their belief. It's taking that personal investment that they have in holding on to their belief away from the equation. Mm-hmm. Because the more you ask somebody to put something down, the more they're going to want to hold on to it. Right. But when you can give them a practice run with something when they have no personal investment in it, then they're able to to learn and their brain goes, oh, this is how it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can do this with this too and make it really clear that they don't have to change their mind. Right. Because you can't force them to, so you may as well give them permission to not. 
And when people have permission to not change their mind, they're probably more likely to change their mind. Now that they know it, that it's uh, that you're not trying to convert them per se, yeah. But uh, if they do convert, it's of their own free will. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And sometimes they will just start coming up with stuff and convincing each other, and then you just sit back and watch, or split them into two teams mm-hmm. where one has to convince the other that something is true or not true. And so, as their um, one team, they they play the devil's advocate. And they put together this whole system of how to sell the other side. And that right. other side is, um, you know, get them to work that back and forth. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm actually um, putting together a training. And one of the things is on this particular thing is dispelling some of the political myths that are around the program that I'm supporting. And that was the way, that was the only way I was going to approach it was, okay, what have you heard? What are these myths that were like? can't call them myths, but what are the things that you've heard mm-hmm. about this program? Say, okay, now argue both sides of it. See the perspectives because I uh, uh, wanted them to be able to create this convincing argument for themselves rather than just hear me dispel the myths and, you know, they could either dismiss it or, or accept it <laughs> um, right. rather than coming up with it themselves. Well, and asking that question, if you believe in A, what would it take for you to believe B? Mm-hmm. What evidence would you need to exist to shift from A to B? And people will usually tell you. They'll usually say, well, I'd need this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's a place to start. What are ways that we can move to that or this or that? There's this topic we haven't really talked about yet, but it's uh, pretty important in your book, and that's the the hell yeah. <laughs> what is this? Yes. And why is it needed? And, and uh, how does this relate to domino thinking? It's so important to know why you're doing what you're doing because that kind of is like the the trunk of your tree. And then your customers and your staff and your products and your communities are all the branches that come off this trunk. But if you don't have this really strong trunk and root system, nothing else really makes a lot of sense. And and I want to be clear that your Helia does not necessarily have anything to do with your purpose. Like your purpose is to maybe play golf as much as humanly possible. Right. But you may not get a job that allows you to play golf eight hours a day. And so while your work may not be your passion, your passion is your hobby, there is a reason why you are doing what you're doing as opposed to doing what somebody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're a barista at uh, Starbucks, there is a reason you're that barista and you're not uh, working at a, co- a donut shop serving coffee there. There is a difference between how people view those two jobs. And so why are you doing your job instead of doing the job of your competition? Hmm. Okay. Why does somebody work for Apple over working for IBM? Mm-hmm. And in that will be a really strong purpose of why they're doing it. I say to in my book, Imagine you're sitting in a restaurant and you overhear somebody talking about you. They can't see you. They don't know they're there. What is the worst thing that you could hear that person say about you? And that is probably somehow linked to your hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I overheard somebody, like when, when I was more involved with my painting company, if I overheard somebody say to me, you know, she's not the best painter, I'd go, oh, that kind of stuff. Right. But if they said to me, she doesn't give value, I would be devastated. I would be devastated to think that somebody thought I ripped them off. So that is really a huge part of why I do what I do. No matter what it is that I'm doing, I have to give somebody value in it Mm -hmm. or I'm just wasting their time and money, whatever the case may be. So if you can connect with why you are doing what it is that you're doing, 
and then clearly communicate that to your customers, communicate that through your products, communicate that to your staff so that they know who they're getting into bed with Mm -hmm. and then understand what their hell yeah is so that you can help grow it. Now you have this beautiful body that's all surrounded and supporting your hell yeah, you're supporting their hell yeah, and you end up with this really great tree. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, you know, I think I kind of have to find my hell yeah. I, I, you know, as I, I went through your book, I think I've, I've, I have made note of, of these things, but it's, it's more than just your guiding light, guiding principle. It sounds like it's more like getting to, rather than what you think you want, but more getting to the heart of what it really is. Because uh, if, if, you, if you can find out what causes you that pain in that case, then um, you, you really, <laughs> you, you have to face it in the mirror. It's like, okay, even though I want to be this way, this is the reality of, of uh, how I feel in this situation. What, what does that say about my hell yeah? For a lot of people, they really connect with that hell yeah, and that becomes their passion. Mm-hmm. And and it all blends together for a big part of the population, probably a bigger part of the population. People are stuck in a situation that they don't want to be in. They hate their job, but if they can figure out why they haven't left the job and turn that into their hell yeah, right. they may find more enjoyment in what they're doing because they're, they're recognizing that they're feeding that dragon instead of the ugly dragon that's making their life miserable. Right. So as we wind this down, what, what would you give as a, a sort of a, a parting message to the audience? Start learning how to have conversations. <laughs> really, it's it is going to save humanity. It's, you know, if we don't get on this understanding of the danger of polarization and this need to convert, it's not going to be global warming or feast or, or for other famine or any of those things, even Trump, that's not going to be the downfall of humanity. It's going to be our inability to think critically and have conversations with people about what we think about. And so I really encourage people to take that time, think opposite, understand there are people being affected by what it is that you do mm-hmm. and make a choice to impact them in a positive instead of negative way. You've got quite a bit of uh, activity. So um, uh, I know you've got, uh, you've got the book. You've got mm-hmm. uh, some online um, presence as well. And uh, you've also got your own your own radio show. So can you take some moment to talk about these things? Um, just starting actually tomorrow will be my first episode of my new radio show. I had one all of last year, and it wasn't really aligned with my hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I changed it, and my new radio show is called Think Opposite. Imagine that. And I'm bringing on guests who have controversial points of view or non-status quo perspectives so that we can learn how to have conversations. And I don't necessarily even agree with some of the philosophies that some of my guests have, mm-hmm. but it will be really good practice for me as well to be able to talk to somebody for an hour about uh, something that I don't believe in. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and not coming from a position where I'm going to pretend to believe it for an hour. It's going to be clear that I don't believe what they believe, mm-hmm. but we can still be civil. We can still learn things from each other. And it is my intent to start getting people to remember how to have conversations. So is this is this uh, business related or pretty agnostic to uh, to that? It's just it's everything. I have my first guest. His the name of his show. Can I swear? Sure. 
Okay. It's um, called Fuck Mediocrity. It's that's the title of his new book. Okay. Not a small swear. Oh, sorry. I graded it. It's okay. Um, I didn't know how to do those little at symbols in between. Um, and it's a book that he wrote about how we become addicted to mediocrity. Okay. And it'll be really and, – and the status quo and how it's important if we're going to be leaders that we need to step outside of that. I have a woman talking about un, um, unveiling that shame associated with porn. She is has written a book called The Porn Addict's Wife and it almost broke up her marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's that shame around porn that broke up – that was the danger. Um, and her husband not being able to have conversations about what his needs were. Um, I have somebody else coming on who's talking about how – it's uh, feeding the hungry. It's not a scam. People are really hungry, mm. and it's not who we think they are. Okay. So it's a variety of different different guests that I have coming on, and I'm quite excited about it and really getting those different points of view out there. So is the best way to get to that show through your website? Yes, dominothinking.com. Okay. And uh, when when does your book become available and where? So it's available on Amazon right now under the title Change Your Business, Change the World. You can order it as an online book. Mm -hmm. If you have to, have to, have to have a hard copy, you can contact me, send me (laughs) off an email at info at dominothinking.com and I will be happy to send you one and then they'll be available in the bookstores in the fall. Now, if anybody wants to interact with you, uh, what's the best way to do so? Best way is probably email. It's the most direct way, but I'm also on Facebook under Domino Thinking. I am on LinkedIn under my name, Allison Donaghy, as well. I am on, what else am I on? I'm on Twitter under Allison Donaghy, and I even have Instagram, which I don't understand at all. Um, <laughs> but I do have Instagram under Domino Thinking, um, too. So, But email is probably the best info at dominothinking.com. So now are, are you active on all these platforms? I try to be. Mm-hmm. I have some help with that, uh, but I do try to check in with them all at least once a day so that I can see what's going on with them and and just learn about what's going on with the world around me right. and differing perspectives. And if anybody – I also do work um, on a consultant basis with businesses about how to get businesses aligned or just brainstorm on how to approach different things mm-hmm. differently so that they people can – yield better results for their business. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything that uh, uh, I haven't asked you about that maybe you'd like to share? Oh, no, you've been excellent. Thank you. <laughs> you've been, no, thank you. You've been extremely thorough. It's been really enjoyable spending this time with you. Well, it is my pleasure. I definitely thank you for giving your perspective to the audience and uh, spending this time with me. Well, thank you. And if you bump into any tough things with people that you're trying to convert, let me know. I might be able to brainstorm some ideas with you. That would be wonderful. Anytime. Thanks for listening to episode 163 of the E-Success Method podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then clamor and share it. Don't forget, you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down. 
Hello, how are you? Good, Allison. How are you? I am really good, thanks. So I just saw that you're in, in uh, British Columbia? Yes. yes. I hear it's beautiful out there. Is that is that true? <laughs> it, yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I'm not even like a real nature buff, but now I'm like wowed by it all the time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, would... it's, it's the mountains and the ocean, and that's good. Where are you? I'm, uh, I'm in um, Connecticut. I think normally out your way is usually milder and, and sort of temperate all year, or is that... Yeah, on the island and right on the like the lower mainland, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rainy. It's a lot like Seattle. Okay. And then once you start getting sort of north of Vancouver, then we start seeing more snow, and then you get like really north, and then it's like crazy Alaska. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. We get a lot of British people here mm-hmm. because it's so much like their rainy British weather. So is it a is it a a good rainy or is it not <laughs> our rain sucks balls <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> it is horrible it's just like these little needly bits digging into your skin and it's cold and it's sharp and it's yuck okay <laughs> so that changes the whole perspective on uh, on beautiful weather <laughs> oh yeah fuck i hate the rain <laughs> um, <laughs> In case that was unclear, I just wanted it to be completely clear now. Mm -hmm. I like my vitamin D, and I like to get it naturally, and that just doesn't happen here. Now, my son was born here, and he Uh loves – rain doesn't bug him at all. It doesn't even phase him. I think so much of it has to do with that stuff that we're born with that helps us cope in the environment that we're in. Is that why you're still there, your son? Yeah. 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 Well, and I I own a company. I moved out here because I was pregnant. It's nice. It's beautiful. Like as they say, it's beautiful, and we have some of the best trails in the world. If you're into that kind of thing, and Whistler's mm-hmm. right here for skiing and tons of camping, and it is it's great for families. Like really mm-hmm. raising kids here on the island is amazing. Mm-hmm. But well, my kid's uh, 27. I can't use an excuse <laughs> anymore. Like it's really. <laughs> well, now you've got a you know you've got 27 years of of a network that you've built up there, so it's yeah. hard to leave that. Yeah. It is. And, you know, I have a successful business and mm-hmm. uh, he's moving into a, a role of taking it over and maybe there might be light at the end of the tunnel. Is that, is that like the painting business? It is, yeah. So he's going to be a sunshine girl? Yes, he has been for <laughs> like eight or nine years. <laughs> That's he will interesting. become the sunshine girl if I leave. <laughs> that'd, that'd be interesting branding. That's uh, definitely a story to tell folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 